Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing the Lagan Valley area filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Today's teaching text is from Galatians 6 and it's verse 11 to 18. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want to be circum- they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. If you are a guest or a visitor, if you're here for the baptisms, um, we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, we really hope that you feel at home and at ease among us. Um, you will be hugely disappointed to find out that my normal 90-minute sermon is uh, only going to be 60 minutes today because of the baptisms. So everybody say, aw, <laughs> liars. Um, we had a healing conference uh, in the venue this weekend that was just an incredible time. And one of the things that we meant to do that we didn't quite uh, get around to in uh, everything else that was going on was to really honor and pray for uh, all of you who are part of our community who work in healthcare professions. And um, we, we want you to know that you really matter and we love that your everyday ordinary life is putting your shoulder to that wheel of loving and caring and ministering to the sick and needy in our communities. If you uh, work in healthcare in any way, would you stand please now? Um, would you um, give them a round of applause, please? <laughs> stay, stay standing. Um, it is very obvious to uh, all of us who call Northern Ireland home that you are doing an incredibly difficult job and that you're facing incredibly difficult decisions and uh, we just want you to know that we really appreciate all that you do and I would love to pray for you. So stay standing. If you're gathered around some of those guys, feel free to stand up and put a hand on them. But uh, if you're not, would you just join me as we pray? Um, Jesus, thank you so much for every single one of these men and women. Thank you for what they do every single day in the middle of their ordinary lives. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give them fresh energy, vision. Would you remind them of why they got into this thing in the first place? And Father, we pray that they would know your love, your life, and your blessing as they care for people all over this province. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. 
So we are finishing off our series in Galatians this morning. Um, I'm going to kind of do this slightly rapid fire uh, so that we can get to uh, so that we can get to baptisms. Um, but if you're not familiar with the book of Galatians, it's written by this guy called Paul, and he went to this region called Galatia, and he's planted a load of churches, and then he moved on, and then he heard word that there were some other people that came along and basically said what Paul told you wasn't complete. They basically said, yeah, yeah, Jesus is really important and it's brilliant that you've surrendered your lives to Jesus, but you actually, you need a bit more. You you need to actually learn the rules. And uh, if you're a bloke, you need to be circumcised. And everyone went, oh, I'm out. And uh, no, funny enough, that's not what happened. Guys started to get circumcised thinking that's what they needed to do. That's what God required of them. And Paul finds out, and he is raging. Like he is properly angry. It's one of the things in lots of our contemporary translations that we kind of miss in the scriptures. We can miss some of the volatility of what Paul's actually saying. And in Galatians, he actually gets pretty graphic Galatians 5 verse 12, you can go home and read that and laugh that it's in the Bible. Um, Just take a wee note of it, 512, I'm not going to talk about it right now, I did that a few weeks ago, but it's pretty extreme. And Paul is really, really angry and he's getting to the end, he's getting to the end of his letter to these people. And um, Galatians 6 verse 11, it's kind of funny, he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Bet you never heard a sermon on that verse before. See what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. My, my parents have a neighbor. And whenever she comes for dinner, when they invite her over for dinner, um, every single time, the next day, a little card comes through the letterbox. And she's got this card and she's written a note And then she signs it, every single one, she signs with this phrase, her name, and then the words, by hand. I remember reading it going, it's pretty (laughs) self-evident. But the more I've kind of reflected on that practice, the more I've been uh, really challenged by it, and dare I say, even a little bit convicted by it. Lots of you have had Dana and I and our mad kids around for dinner, and... um, Truthfully, we always try hard to say thank you on the way out, and we sometimes drag the children back in and say, make sure you look at them in the face and say thanks. Um, but it's, it's never occurred to me the next day to write a note and drive by and put it, through, put it through the letterbox. I wonder when was the last time you got a handwritten letter? A handwritten letter. I actually cannot remember the last handwritten letter I got. Any of you needing something to do in the run-up to Christmas, feel absolutely free to write me an encouraging handwritten letter. It will be, it will be well received. There's something about the time and the personal nature of something that's been written by hand. And scholars are largely agreed that up until this moment in Galatians, Paul has dictated this. Like he's, he's spoken it out and somebody else has written it down, but he refused to allow the whole thing to be that impersonal. And rather than just signing it off, any of you do that, like where you type the letter and then you sign it because that makes it really personal, right? 
Like there's pen on a page that you've typed. It's personal. Paul refuses to do that. He doesn't just sign it. He takes it upon himself to finish the letter by hand. Why? Because the gospel is personal. It's personal. Of course, it has all sorts of corporate and cultural connotations and results and impacts and all of that sort of stuff, but at the heart of the gospel is you. Your life, the detail, the things that stress you out, the things you worry about, the things that keep you up at night. God cares about you. It's funny, isn't it? It feels like at Christmas we'll do this lovely thing of God cares about the world and some of you could quote John 3, 16. And of course it's true. But sometimes the intimacy of the gospel gets lost. But yes, God loves the world and of course God cares about what's going on in faraway places. But the thing that sometimes can make us a little bit awkward is opening our lives and our hearts to the truth that the God who created the universe cares about what you're having for breakfast. He cares. He actually cares about what you're having for breakfast. Don't have a fry, it's not good for you. I'm kidding, I love fries. But he cares. God cares about the detail. He cares about the things that that keep you up, the things that stress you out. See what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. (laughs) I wonder how many of you could feel that as we've reflected over the last weeks of this series in Galatians. See what important things I'm writing to you with my own hand, says God. This is, this is personal. Like I said, we're gonna jump into Advent and all things Christmas next week. And this is really at the heart of the Christian and the Christmas message that life and hope for the world isn't just personal to us, it was personal to God. He didn't send an emissary, he didn't send just some servant or messenger He sent himself. It was personal. I wonder, have you ever noticed how impersonal religion can feel? And really, that's the heart of the letter to the Galatians. Paul is railing against religion, rules and practices that don't have their origin in God's heart and his nature that are being imposed as extras on the gospel. My daughter's ring in my finger that I accidentally got my finger and couldn't get off there. Slightly distracting, don't keep your daughter's ring in your finger or in your pocket while you're preaching. Religion is what Paul has been confronting through this whole letter. And really the crux of religion is it lacks individuals and uniqueness and that the personal detail matters. In religion, you're just a resource to drain and a crowd 
to control. Religion does corporate, but it doesn't do personal. Religion gets really uncomfortable with personal. Religion wants you to come in and take your seat, preferably the same one every single week. Don't talk to anybody else. I mean, if you have to be pleasant on the way in or the way out, you can manage that, but don't get personal. That's religion, it's not the gospel. It's not open lives and hearts and homes. And Paul, Paul's pretty mad about it. Verse 12, Paul goes on to say that those who are advocating circumcision are doing so to save their own skin. The irony is quite stark. <laughs> Don't think about it too long. He says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. The only reason they're advocating circumcision is to avoid persecution. You see, religion is all about self-preservation. What do I need to do to fit in and not ruffle any feathers. I'll show up to church because if I don't, people will start to wonder about me. But open my life to the power and the transforming presence of Jesus? No way. Let me just sit there and count bulbs. Religion is about self-preservation, but the gospel calls us to self-sacrifice. Didn't something in your heart move when Yvette was talking? Why? Because that's what we were designed for. We were created to live lives beyond ourselves. We just trip over ourselves when it comes to the fact. And then you get in rooms like this and people like Yvette stand up and talk about some of that kind of stuff and we find our hearts are strangely warmed. Maybe we're not connected to Jesus yet but there's something about what she said that like witnesses to us pay attention. This is good, this is true. Why? You were designed to live that way. We are our most alive when we're giving our lives away to others, particularly when led by the Holy Spirit towards that. This is so important for us to understand. Religion calls us to self-preservation, the gospel calls us to self-sacrifice. If you've ever responded to the gospel that says, come to Jesus or you're going to go to hell, welcome to religion. And the fruit of it in your life is slavery and fear and control, a perpetual sense that you're messing up and you're about to get in trouble. Whenever uh, our kids were little, um, and we lived in Wallace Avenue. There's a very busy road right at the front of our house. And I remember um, Dana grabbing one of the boys one day in the driveway and he'd started to run towards the road. And it was a fairly intense conversation as she was right down in his face and said, if you run towards that road, you're gonna die and you'll never see us ever again. I'm thinking, geez, Dana, he's three. It's so funny that when it comes to sin, that's the kind of conversation God wants to have with us. But 
we kind of interpret that, that almost it's like he's going, run towards the road, I can't wait to watch this. Like if you're so stupid to run towards the road, that's not gonna go good for you and you're gonna get what you deserve. It's nonsense. God gets really intense with us about sin because he doesn't want us to die. And the reality is that sin in our life brings death into our lives. And we've all seen that relationally and our health and all kinds of things. But it's so interesting, the gospel that's presented as come to Jesus or go to hell is a perversion. It's religion, it's about control and about fear. When you discover that Jesus is alive and the only one who can be trusted to be the boss of your life, the fruit is freedom. Like when you discover that God is good and he loves us and he wants to bring good things into us and anytime he says, hey, best avoid that thing or maybe knock that off, guess what? It's for your own good. When you discover that Jesus is alive and the only one who can be trusted to be the boss of your life, the fruit is freedom. Freedom that will cost you your comfort, possibly even your reputation at times. If there is a more powerful idol in the Northern Ireland church than our fear of what might other people think, I'm not sure what it is. I don't want to be seen as one of those weird ones. It's almost like a badge of honor, isn't it? Particularly for men in this culture. He's not going to move me. I, I kind of get it, but it's, it's holding so many of us back. I don't know where it began, this idea that strong men don't cry. Hard hearts don't cry. I don't mean that to be uh, overly pushy, but try and have a flourishing family with a hard heart. What if there was something so potent and so powerful that it could actually move us and set us free? So many of the Galatians were so worried about what other people thought of them and they were willing to allow people to circumcise them for the sake of their reputation. I guess it was a big deal for them too. I love how this whole letter is about grace and peace and freedom and yet Paul is carrying the physical scars in his body of what his discipleship has cost him. Verse 17 he says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The gospel has cost Paul everything. But verse 15, he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. He has discovered something more valuable than his own comfort. New creation. Our lives made new by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, new creation is the point, not hell. It was always the point. 
that in Christ, God would make us new and set us free. And we're about to model that in the most beautiful way as eight incredible people get very wet. And the metaphor here is of a water grave that they get buried and raised to new life with Jesus and their friends and their family. It's really important you understand these people about to be baptized have not been made good living. They haven't found religion. They've met Jesus and he's changed everything. Just as we close, I wonder how many of us have parts of our lives that we wish were made new. Relationships, business initiatives or endeavors, health issues, stuff going on that we just wish there was a way to have it made new, to not just manage dysfunction or brokenness or decay, but to actually experience new creation. It's possible. It's possible, but it's not found in religion. And it's not found in church attendance, although I love that you're here. It's found in Jesus. It's found in opening our lives and our hearts to Jesus and being prepared to be moved by him time and time and time again. One of the great challenges for all of us is that we settle and we prefer dysfunction that's familiar to freedom that's unknown. And the reality is Jesus through his Holy Spirit is always beckoning us there's wide open space over here. Do you want to come and explore? And so often, I am guilty of this. I'm like, quite fine with my mess over here. I understand my mess. I know how it works. I know what buttons people are going to push, and I know how I'm going to react, and then I'm going to apologize, and it'll all be fine. I'd much prefer the familiar brokenness to the unfamiliar freedom. I simply want to ask you this morning, how long are you prepared to live that way? Maybe the rest of your life. God bless you. But if you're thinking, I wish there was a way out, here's your moment. Would you bow your heads? Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. Come. Come and fill this room right now. Give us faith and give us courage. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, yep, yeah, it's time for a change. Can I invite you, just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you're thinking, it's time for a change. I don't want to become religious. I don't want to be good living. I just want Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Just quickly. We don't have loads of time. Wonderful, wonderful. Bless you. Great, let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you that you change lives. Thank you that you're doing it right now. And I pray for these dear folk who've raised their hands. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. 
make them new right now. In Jesus' name we pray.